Hello, and welcome to Book Blurbs. I'm Gabrielle Sutherland. I'm Ricky Smith. And I'm Brielle Serval. Here at Book Blurbs, it is our mission to empower readers and writers and encourage others to read. We strive to highlight books about girls and people of color. We are located in the Baltimore area. The book we'll be discussing today is a modern classic, A Wrinkle in Time by Madeline Langle. This book has won the Newbery Medal, the Sequoia Book Award, the Lewis Carroll Shelf Award, and almost won the Hans Christian Andersen Award. It also started this Time Quartet, a series for young adults focusing on the Murray family, and had a related series about the main character's daughter, Polly O'Keefe. It was met with mostly positive reviews citing its complicated and familiar scenes and praised for leading the way in female representation in fantasy and science fiction. It has a couple films based on it, two plays, an opera, and a comic. Madeline Lengel Camp was born in New York City on November 29, 1918. She attended Smith College from 1937 to 1941 and graduated cum laude. Her best-known works are divided between the Kronos series and the Kairos series. A Wikipedia article on Kronos and Kairos says that the ancient Greeks had two words for time, Kronos and Kairos. The former refers to chronological or sequential time, while the latter signifies a proper or opportune time for action. Madeline Langle became one of few authors to experience enduring literary superstardom during their lifetime, and one of even fewer to live long enough, another 44 years, to see their book take root in the culture, changing the lives of generations of readers and transforming the landscape of possibility for women writers of science fiction and female protagonists. In an interview with the New York Times, she observed the intuitive understanding of his own childhood, being childlike, although not childish. She died on September 8, 2007, in Litchfield, Connecticut. The Wrinkle in Time is the story of Meg Murray, a high school-aged girl who is transported on an adventure through time and space with the younger brother, Charles Wallace, and her friend, Calvin O'Keefe. On this adventure, their focus is to find Meg's father, a gifted scientist, from the evil forces that hold him prisoner on another planet. At the beginning of the book, Meg is a bit of an awkward girl, but loving nonetheless, troubled by personal insecurities and a concern for her father, who has been missing for over a year. The plot begins with the arrival of Miss Watsit at the Murray House on a dark and stormy evening. Although she looks like an eccentric tramp, she is actually an alien-like creature with the ability to read Meg's thoughts. She startles Meg's mother by reassuring her of the existence of a tesseract, a sort of wrinkle in space and time that her husband had discovered. It is through this wrinkle that Meg and her companions will travel through the fifth dimension in search of Mr. Murray. On the afternoon following Miss Watson's visit, Meg and Charles Wallace walk over to Miss Watson's cabin. On the way, they meet Calvin O'Keefe, a popular boy in Meg's school, whom Charles considers a kind spirit. The three children learn from Miss Watson and her friends, Miss Who and Miss Witch, 
that the universe is threatened by a great evil called the Dark Thing and taking the form of a giant cloud, engulfing the stars around it. Several planets have already given in to this force, including Camazot, the planet on which Mr. Murray is imprisoned. The three Miss W's transport the children to Camazot, starting the quest for Mr. Murray. On Camazot, all objects and places appear exactly alike because the whole planet must conform to the terrifying rhythmic pulsation of it, giant disembodied brain. Charles Wallace tries to fight it with his exceptional intelligence, but is overpowered by the evil and becomes a robot-like creature, mouthing the words with, with which it says to him. Under the control of it, Charles leads Meg and Calvin to Mr. Murray, and together they confront it. However, they too are unable to withstand its power. They escape only at the last minute, when Mr. Murray appears and seizes Meg and Calvin, but leaves Charles Wallace behind and testers away with them to a gray planet called Ixgel, inhabited by tall furry beasts who care for the traveler. Later, Meg realizes she has to use her ability to love, which it is not capable of, to set her brother free. Some of the themes in this book are the concepts of the love that Meg and her family feel for each other, the struggle that she faces to gain control over her emotions, and the feelings of spirituality that are readily present in the book, and the concept of the fifth dimension, the Tesseract. A Wrinkle in Time is a science fiction story, but what is science fiction? Sci-fi novels take readers on adventures from faraway galaxies to underwater worlds and everywhere in between, introducing them to otherworldly characters and technologies along the way. Science fiction dates back to the second century. A true story, written by the Syrian satirist Lucian, is thought to be the first sci-fi story, which explored other universes and extraterrestrial life forms. Modern science developed during the Age of Enlightenment and writers reacted to scientific and technological advancements with a wave of sci-fi stories, like The New Atlantis by Francis Bacon, written in 1627, Somnium by Johannes Kepler in 1634, and Empires of the Moon by Serrano de Bergerac in the year 1657. Science fiction is also divided into two broad categories, hard sci-fi and soft sci-fi. Hard sci-fi novels are based on scientific facts. They are inspired by hard, natural sciences like physics, chemistry, and astronomy. Soft sci-fi novels can be two things. Either they are not scientifically accurate, or they're inspired by soft social sciences like psychology, anthropology, and sociology. The terms are somewhat flexible, but they help readers quickly understand the foundation of a novel and what to expect from it. Some may consider A Wrinkle in Time to be a soft science fiction novel because it is not heavy on the science facts, but there are some elements that could be considered somewhat hard sci-fi. There are also eight subgenres of science fiction that might come in handy to know when finding a science fiction book that fits your entertainment needs. Number one, fantasy fiction. These are sci-fi stories inspired by mythology and folklore 
that often include elements of magic. 2. Supernatural fiction are sci-fi stories about secret knowledge or hidden abilities that include witchcraft, spiritualism, and psychic abilities. 3. Utopian fiction which are sci-fi stories about civilizations the author deems to be perfect, ideal society. 4. Dystopian fiction. Sci-fi stories about societies the author thinks to be problematic for things like government, rules, or poverty. 5. Space opera. A play on the term soap opera, these are sci-fi stories that take place in outer space and center around conflict, romance, and adventure. 6. Space western. Sci-fi stories that blend elements of science fiction with elements of the western cowboy type genre. 7. Cyberpunk. Science fiction stories that place advanced technology with less advanced, broken down society. And lastly, steampunk. Sci-fi stories in a historical setting and typically feature steam-powered machinery rather than advanced technology. Now that we have discussed some subgenres of science fiction, we're going to talk about the analysis and what we thought about the book. A Wrinkle in Time is a book about the battle between good and evil and the ultimate triumph of love. Each character is clearly distinguished by their character. The good and noble characters are Meg, the main character, her family, the Murrays, Calvin, the athlete with a troubled family, Charles Wallace, her little brother, the Mrs. W's, Mrs. What's-It, Mrs. Who, and Mrs. Witch, Aunt Beast, a kind and caring creature, met on the planet Ixchel, and the Happy Medium. There are many good characters, but some of them don't realize their potential until it is forced out of them. The main evil motivator is It, a mind-controlling, bodiless brain. The book's central struggle is told in such a clear way that readers of all ages understand the themes in the book as well as its message. A good deal of the book's key messages are contained within the lessons of life that Meg must learn in order to effectively carry out her journey. She must learn to overcome her crave for similarity and appreciate her uniqueness as a person. At the beginning of the book, Meg feels unbalanced and out of place at her school. She has several fights with her classmates and is sent to the principal's office because of it. Meg tells her mother that she hates being so different and wishes she could be just like everyone else, or at least pretend so. This wish comes dreadfully true when she, Charles Wallace, and Calvin go to the planet Camazox, with its rows of identical houses and identical human beings. Once seeing how horrible and disgusting mass conformity is, she, see, she recognizes the evil of this planet, and she appreciates the value of being a unique and original individual. When it comes to the narrative and point of view in the book, most of the unspoken text is from Meg's point of view. Therefore, the narrative voice isn't really a strong perspective. However, in the meticulous narration of Meg's experience, we feel that the author cares deeply about these characters and wants us to care too. And because of that, she does our best to make us feel along with them. Now that we've discussed elements, subgenres, and themes, let's talk about our ideas about the book and how we felt about it while reading it. What did you enjoy about this book, Gabby? Well, Ricky, 
I liked it because it has a strong female character, and it's a sci-fi book, and normally it's boys that are the main characters in sci-fi books, so it's nice to see a girl for a change. And I liked how she's strong. Meg has to be strong, even in the face of danger. I enjoyed the different landscapes that he went to, from Ixchel to that weird two-dimensional planet. I enjoyed the. What was your favorite character, Brielle, and what did you appreciate about him or her? My favorite character was Meg, because she is a really smart girl, and she um, is strong and stands up for a little brother. And I feel like she's a little bit like me, and I enjoy that. Um, and I appreciate that she stands up for other people who are in need and has a very uh, strong love for everybody. Yeah, I have to agree with you. Meg is probably my favorite character, but I also like Charles Wallace because he's so smart and he's fun. He's kind of the character who is the outcast, but he makes the most of it. So, Ricky, now that you've heard what I think about Meg, do you like Meg? Well, there are parts of it where I liked Meg and parts where I didn't. She is a very complicated character. Could you describe a part where you didn't like Meg and maybe one that you did? I liked her at the end, but I didn't I didn't really like when she was yelling at, at her, her friend and her father who did all they could. But of course, that wasn't really her. Have you, you experienced anything similar to the action of this novel, Gabby? Well, I've never tessered, and I've never had to face a bodiless, mind-controlling brain. So I have to say no. But I see some similarities between me and some of the characters. What about you? Well. I can say that I've never gone outside this planet, for sure. But sometimes I've seen some of the same things that they're experiencing in different planets. Okay, Brielle, what scene do you remember best? And why do you think that you remember that one? The scene I remember best is when Meg realizes that she has to go alone to Kamazots and save her brother and she knows that she has some sort of power against it, but she doesn't know what it is, and she's confused and scared, but once she's in that moment, she understands what it is, and it's just a very happy feeling that I felt for her. What did you think of Camazot's, Ricky? Did you like it, or what did you not like about it? I always thought Camazos was a bit creepy because of all the rhythm. I like rhythm, but I like musical rhythm and rhythm that isn't forced. This seems like forced rhythm. Yeah, I agree with you. I couldn't live in a world where I had to be exactly like the person next to me and bouncing a basketball at the same speed as everybody else. I just couldn't do it. Definitely agree with you. Ricky, pretend you're the author's editor. What notes would you give them? Well, personally, this is just for me, but when I was reading the book, 
it felt a little hard to read, like it was a really good book, but the format felt a little stifling, but that's all I'd give it. It was a really good book. I agree with you. It's a little bit hard to follow, and um, since it's science fiction, it has that element of science, that that quantum um, thing that I don't really understand very well, so it's a little hard to follow, but it was a very great book. Gabby, pretend you're another famous author writing a blurb for the cover. What will you say? Well, I think I'd say that this book is one of mystery and adventure, and it's a fun story, but it makes you think. And it has several philosophical ties, and I think that it's a and an introduction to physics for kids. Brielle, would you define this story as fantasy or science fiction? Well, that's a little bit of a tough question. I would consider it science fiction because it has that quantum thing that I was saying that I don't really understand. Um, and a lot of other science facts that make it science fiction because we don't, we haven't discovered that yet, or we just don't know about it. But it could be fantasy in some ways that the Miss W's are definitely fantasy, not really science fiction. So it's kind of a mix of both, and I can't really define it specifically one or the other. This story starts with the iconic opening. It was a dark and stormy night. Why do you think the author chose to start her story this way, Ricky? Well, I think it was to bring into mind the other books that started like this. Books that were sort of different than what you normally read. It was to give people a warning. I think it was trying to make it seem like the book was going to be scary um, and dark, but it wasn't really that dark. It was um, a bit scary because at some point I thought some of the main characters were going to get hurt and be sucked in by the giant it, um, but I thought it was like funny to see how she starts it one way, but it kind of changes. Why do you think the author included Calvin O'Keefe? Did you think it added to the storyline, Gabby? Yes, I think it did, because there's not just the two children of the professor who went missing, not just the two outcasts, but this popular kid who is with them as well. And he he's really into fate. I feel because he talks about that a lot and I think that it adds even more of that supernatural feel to the book with the fate but he talks about his family because he has family problems just like Meg and Charles Wallace do but no one thinks about him as having a family problems he's just the basketball player and I think that if they hadn't gotten to know him I think he would have just stayed the basketball player because he's there, but he's one of those people that no one really takes the time to get to know. They just know him. 
if that makes sense. It makes sense. I agree with you. Do you agree with Miss What's It when she says, we can't take credit for our talents. It's how we use them that counts, Ricky. Well, yes. If you didn't do anything with your talents, you didn't have a good reason to have them in the beginning. But if you used what little talents that you had, you're better than the person who has tons of talents but just uses them to better themselves. To just better themselves and not better anyone else. That's the end of this episode today. Thank you for listening and send us any questions or comments you have and you might be featured on the next episode of Book Blurbs. To learn more about this podcast, you can visit our website at anchor.fm slash book hyphen blurbs. I'm Gabrielle Sutherland. I'm Ricky Smith. And I'm Brielle Circle. Keep on reading. We'll see you next time.